like that. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Hope you all are having a fantastic day and a fantastic week up to this point and ready for an exciting weekend. I know you all, I know every single person that listens to the Logan Blackman Show is a really cool person who just does really cool things and is never alone and is always doing super cool stuff because that's the type of people we like to attract here on the Logan Blackman Show. Now, before we get into what we're going to talk about today, let's make sure to go over the housekeeping items first. Make sure to go over and follow all the different forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube. Search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out a few videos while you're there as well. And like and follow the Facebook page. You can also go to theloganblackmanshow.com. We'll have a blog post coming out for you rather soon. So make sure you stay tuned for that. It'll be Montraft 1.0. We're going to try and get some videos out here for you in the near future as well. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But the most important thing you can do right now is make sure you're following and or subscribe to the Apple Podcast and or Spotify accounts. I would greatly appreciate it if you did that. Leave a rating out of five stars on both. Doesn't need to be a five-star rating, but you know, I would appreciate a five-star rating over a one-star rating. But if you don't feel the show is up to your extremely high standards, because the Logan Blackman show is all about having extremely high standards, just let me know down in the description below. And why you feel the way you do now, I've got some things that I have. <laughs> I need to let you know how I feel about them today. And I, I guess it's not just today. We've talked about these certain topics throughout the course of the season. But this is coming to a head this weekend. So for those of you who are unaware, who are completely unaware of everything that is transpiring right now. Oh, wait, no. Oh, well, they moved it. Maybe I'm just stupid. I could just be stupid. That could be That could be a very real thing. So, when I was made aware that the NFL Honors is the week before the Super Bowl, or at least the, the Saturday or Sunday before the Super Bowl. I guess that NFL Honors this year, and maybe it always has been, and I've just can, been completely oblivious to this fact, is on a Thursday. And not just on a Thursday, it's on February 8th. So, it'll be perfect to go over everything then. We'll have a live, we'll be watching it live. So, we're going to have, that'll be our Super Bowl preview show, obviously. It's the first show before the Super Bowl. But we're going to have people on the show. I would hope so anyways. We might try to get some certain... We, we'll try to get some people on for that one. And yeah, we'll watch NFL Honors. We'll complain the entire time. At least one of us will. And uh, yeah, we'll move on from there. But NFL Honors with that, whether it's this weekend or next week, it's coming up. It's coming up really, really fast. And the NFL MVP talk is going to be swirling throughout the rest of this week. And the more and more I've seen recently, actually is that a certain Josh Allen is now getting more recognition for the NFL MVP award than he had been across recent weeks and months, which is very cool to see. I saw a CBS correspondent saying his vote, he gets an MVP, but I, I don't understand the the process of getting chosen to be an MVP voter. Like, Emmanuel Acho is an MVP vote. That scares me. That should scare every single NFL fan out there that people like Emmanuel Acho are allowed to vote for the NFL MVP. It's very scary stuff, and I don't necessarily like it. I don't like it at all, but that's what you get. So you can take or leave what I'm about to tell you now. I can't remember who it was, but their official ballot had Josh Allen winning MVP. 
And that is my take as well. So obviously I agreed with the take, but not everybody else out there will because everybody's got their own differing opinions. It's one of the most beautiful things about sports is that we can all have differing opinions. We can have disagreements about it, but in the end, it doesn't matter until it actually happens, which we know by now anyways, at least what it seems like. Lamar Jackson, quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens, is about to win his second MVP. The first MVP he won was unanimous back in 2019. He set an NFL record for rushing yards by a quarterback. 1,200 rushing yards. Had one of the greatest seasons I've ever watched as a quarterback. More than, more and more, more, more than deserving of winning the second ever unanimous MVP in NFL history. The first one, of course, being Tom Brady. Which Tom Brady's unanimous MVP season (laughs) wasn't even his best season. Surprisingly, he didn't win a unanimous MVP when he threw 50 touchdowns with Randy Moss getting like 20 of them. He didn't win it when the Patriots went 16 and 0. Tom Brady didn't win it then. He won it like the season or two after. <laughs> it was it's odd because I was always under the interpretation that Tom Brady won a unanimous MVP during the touch the season where they went swept the regular season went 16 and 0. Obviously lost in the Super Bowl to the Giants and Randy Moss went off, but that wasn't it. And it still throws me off to this day. But Lamar Jackson's historic season in 2019 is so much better (laughs) than this season. Like we have talked about before, if he wins the MVP this year, and you can say this, I guess, about a bunch of different people and the entire MVP race, that this is not the greatest MVP race of all time. It's not. It's not. As much as I will tell you why Josh Allen should win MVP, I'm not going to sit here and also say that Josh Allen deserves to win a unanimous MVP or that this is the greatest year for Josh Allen to win MVP. It's not. 2020 was his best year to win MVP when he became second team All-Pro. That was his best year to win MVP. When they went on to go to the AFC Championship game, lost to Kansas City Chiefs and stuff like that, I believe this is Josh Allen's fourth time? Third or fourth time being MVP finalist? Because obviously he's it this year. He was it last year. Was he not the year before? When they when he end, ended up having one of the greatest playoff performances of all time through two games. And then he was obviously an MVP candidate. He came second in MVP two times. I think he's, okay, this, is thir- this has to be his third year then, right? Where he's a finalist for an award. Obviously, people could still receive votes for the MVP that are not finalists. I don't know if you remember this last year, but Hassan Reddick actually got more votes for Defensive Player of the Year than Micah Parsons did, and I'm pretty sure Hassan Reddick wasn't even a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year. I'm pretty sure Hassan Reddick came second in the vote. I could be wrong about that, so Google that if you want, if you want to, and I apologize if that's wrong, but I don't remember him being a finalist. And Josh Allen came, I guess, technically joint second last year because he had the same number of first-place votes as Jalen Hurts, but I think I think Jalen, uh, Josh might have finished third technically last year. Might have technically finished third. But again, comparatively to previous seasons, this has not been... And we've said this about the entire NFL season in general. The NFL season kind of sucked ass. And now we're getting to the point now with this Super Bowl be the Niners and Chiefs that no one, at least that I can tell, really gives two shits about it apart from Chiefs fans and Iowa State fans. That's about it. And that's coming from the state of Iowa. We don't have a ton of San Francisco 49ers fans. And if they are 49ers fans, it's because they're Iowa State fans because they got to cheer on Brock Purdy, which is understandable. Completely understandable. So you know how we've talked to like when Brady's been on and we've asked him like, when you were growing up, did you ever think you would have a quarterback in Patrick Mahomes for your NFL team that is in the conversation for being one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time? Not the greatest, but one of the greatest of all time. Like you could say the same thing about Iowa State. 
with Brock Purdy. Who in their right mind, when we were growing up, people my age, and even people older than me, thought Iowa State would actually have a legit quarterback at the NFL? Yes, Seneca Wallace was around. Yes, Sage Rosenfels, whatever, was around. But they weren't to this level. Seneca Wallace was a very serviceable player in the NFL with likes of Seahawks. He was with the Browns. I think he was with the Packers for a little bit. Like, Seneca Wallace was a very good player. But Brock Purdy in the NFL right now is miles above <laughs> Seneca Wallace. Seneca Wallace never even scared an MVP vote, let alone be a finalist for an MVP. Brock Purdy is one of the five finalists this year, along with Christian McCaffrey, uh, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, and of course, Lamar Jackson. But it's so funny. It's so funny. Like, and with Brock Purdy, like we could go a multitude of different directions here. <laughs> we could go a multitude of of different ways from this little discussion that we're having right now. Whether we want to go over who should win MVP or talk about Brock Purdy, because there are two things that I want to talk about. I want to touch on a decent amount on this show. We'll start with the Lamar Jackson stuff. We'll start with that one. We'll go. We'll end with Purdy, because I think Purdy, though had a very good year, though had a very good year, I don't think you can say, in all honesty, if you take away the storyline, which I know a lot of people who are big Brock Purdy fans love to do the story, the story, the story. I get that. I understand that. I respect that. But we can't do story for <laughs> MVP votes. Because Josh Allen could be the same thing. I mean, he's a JUCO kid that went to Wyoming. And on physical tools, got drafted seventh overall. And now has become the second best quarterback in the NFL behind Patrick Mahomes. Sent out a thousand recruiting letters. Everybody said no. Went to Reedley Community College and then obviously went to Wyoming. So it's it, you could go with a multitude of different directions here. Lamar Jackson, last pick of the first round. People are saying he should move to wide receiver. Christian McCaffrey, is this a guy that's going to be able to handle the workload of an NFL backfield? When he got drafted, John, Thomas Davis, former linebacker of the Carolina Panthers, said Christian McCaffrey, wide receiver, excuse me, running back. Like there was no idea what he would do either. And then Dak's just Dak. <laughs> Fourth round pick, I believe. The Bills were going to take him. The Bills were going to take him, and they didn't. They sat on their hands, waited, and then uh, the Cowboys took him, and the Bills settled with Cardale Jones. That one worked out pretty well for the Bills. But, hey, in hindsight, beautiful move. Beautiful move. <laughs> I am perfectly okay with how things turned out for the Buffalo Bills in regards to what quarterback they got in the future. But there's a lot of different storylines you could go on here. Lamar even winning his second MVP at such a young age. It vaults him up by accolades alone. Vaults him up the conversation for one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I'm not saying he's even like in the top 20. But that gets him into a conversation like that. And we've already said a hundred freaking times in the show. Lamar Jackson's better than Michael Vick by a pretty wide margin. But Michael Vick nostalgia... Is a, is a real thing. Michael Vick was one of the most exciting players in the NFL at that time. If not the, he was the most exciting player in the NFL at that time. There was never a moment in NFL history where the quarterback was the most dangerous player on the field at all times. Throwing or running the ball. Vick was inconsistent as a passer, but the plays he could make when he connected were insane. But Lamar is so much better than Michael Vick. And Michael Vick's even said that. That was why that top 50 list a couple weeks ago that we looked at was pretty funny because they had Michael Vick at number 20, which I don't even think Michael Vick would put himself at 20, let alone put him above Lamar Jackson, wasn't even in the top 50 list. Well, there's certain quarterbacks that are in the league now that they just even bother mentioning in there. But Lamar winning his second MVP, 
Like, that's a big step for that, regardless of how you feel about the MVP, and I think it'd be a dumb award to give this year. Like, I don't know what your exact reasoning is for Lamar Jackson winning MVP. Yeah, he led the league in rushing yards for a quarterback, but that's kind of been the standard, isn't it? Like, if Lamar Jackson doesn't lead the league in rushing yards, it's kind of like, what the hell happened here? But, that being said, the offense has been a lot more balanced this year. Which, in this article that I'm looking at right now, states that, and I agree with this, is a big reason for why he was as durable as he was this year. Because the big thing with the Ravens was that, if Lamar could stay healthy, this is arguably the best team in football, but that guarantee is not really there. It's not really there. Lamar played 16 games this year, started 16 games this year, obviously did not play the last week of the regular season against the Steelers because they rested all their starters and didn't end up mattering. But apart from that, he had like 800-something yards this year rushing the ball, 3,600 passing yards, good stuff, seven interceptions, he had 24 touchdown passes, five rushing touchdowns. Like, those are good numbers, but that's the MVP of the league. What did what What record did he break this year? What did he do apart from, like, you have the number one defense in football. Sure, Mark Andrews was out, and that's a big loss for you. But that defense was insane. Lamar Jackson this season had eight games where he had two or less touchdowns. Eight. Oh, no, less than two. Not two or less. Less than two touchdowns this year. Eight games. Half the starts he had, he did not get over two touchdowns. Not even get to two touchdowns. Like, I'm sorry. I can't help you with that. That's not an MVP. No matter how great I want to say Lamar Jackson is, that's not an MVP. He doesn't even have 30 touchdowns in the year. Like, what? (laughs) He has 29. And if you include Gus Edwards' touchdowns from one yards out, which is 11, he has 40. Gus Edwards, I believe, has 13 touchdowns this year. But if you include Gus Edwards' touchdowns, like all of them, Lamar Jackson had 42. That's an MVP season. He didn't break any records that I'm aware of anyways. And they won a lot of games. Had the number one defense in football. What is the MVP award? What does the MVP stand for at this point? What does it stand for? Based off this past year, what does that stand for? Because basically, based off this... And Purdy being in there as well. Purdy's numbers are fine. I'm not saying anything to like degrade Brock Purdy or anything. But is Brock Purdy really one of the most valuable players, top five most valuable players in the entire NFL? Is he? Was Lamar Jackson this year that same thing? Like, what is the most valuable player? Is the most valuable player to their team? The best player in the league? Like, we have lost the definition of what the most valuable player in the league is. Because if we're going by every metric that a most valuable player should be, Josh Allen should win offensive player, or not, not offensive player, they all go Chris McCaffrey, MVP. Because unlike Lamar Jackson, the Bills lost all their starters on defense pretty much. In the AFC divisional round game against Kansas City Chiefs, the Bills were playing with A.J. Klein and Dorian Williams. Throughout the season, Matt Milano got hurt, broke his leg. Missed time. 
You had to start Balen Specter. You had to start Tyrell Dodson, which was a death sentence at the time. But Tyrell Dodson played really well this year. Tredavious White tore his Achilles in week four. Daquan Jones missed a significant time of the season. They had to trade for Rasul Douglas because they didn't have any corners. Kyrie Elam was hurt for most of the season. Von Miller was hurt. Maybe didn't <laughs> hurt more than what he showed because the dude or hurt more than what he said because I mean zero sacks this year. Really? You can give me one sack? I understand it's hard to come back from an injury, especially when you're 34 years old coming off your second straight a- second ACL tear. But give me one, please. Just one. <laughs> Just one sack. Please. Please. Gabe Davis dropping literally everything thrown his way. Stephon Diggs just not being Stephon Diggs this season. Playing with Ken Dorsey telling him, hey, Josh, don't be Josh Allen. We didn't get to see Josh Allen until the Eagles game. That's when Josh Allen was actually, you know, that's Josh Allen. And he still managed to have a perfect pass rating against the Miami Dolphins. Like That was what was so frustrating about Ken Dorsey's style of offense. You could have a game like that. And then the next week, <laughs> you have a game against the Giants. It wasn't the next week, but it was in that, like, those kind of games. It's like, how can you do that to the Dolphins, beat them by 28 points, and then nearly lose the Giants, who lost, who had the ball at the end of both halves at the one-yard line? And you almost lose that game. And he fired, so you fire off to coordinator as well. So fired off to coordinator, numerous injuries on the defensive side of the ball, and then not to mention, you know, leads the league in total touchdowns. Has six more than the next closest people, which is Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts will both have 38. Josh Allen is 44. Led the league in total yards this year. Because though Lamar Jackson had a good amount of rushing yards, Josh Allen, he went no slouch running the ball either. He had over 500 yards rushing this year. If I'm not mistaken, let's pull up Josh Allen's numbers for rushing stats. Because I haven't looked at those ones in a while. Yeah, 524. And that was at the start of the season when they were telling him not to run anymore. You could see that in the Jets game. Don't run. Don't run. They were coaching him out of him, which is not something you want to do. When you have a quarterback like Josh Allen, the worst thing you can do is put a leash on him. And guess what? That's what Ken Dorsey did. That's what Sean McDermott did for the early portion of the season. That's why they went 6-6. Six and six. Like It was so frustrating on so many different levels. It was insane. So you have the 40, you have the 44 touchdowns. You lead the league in total yards again. You have four straight seasons of 40-plus touchdowns. You break an NFL record, or two NFL records, actually, with a number of consecutive games with a passing and rushing touchdown and break the NFL record for rushing touchdowns by a quarterback in the season with 15. In total, for including the playoffs, Josh Allen had 51 touchdowns this year. 51. I saw this on Twitter. Only Josh Allen could be a guy that has 50-plus touchdowns, and people on Twitter who don't actually watch the games will try to sit there and tell you he's ass. Because here's what's funny. You'll throw around the turnovers with Josh Allen. And sure, Josh Allen turned the ball over a decent amount this year. He had 18 interceptions. He had 22 total turnovers this year. Lamar Jackson had 13. He had seven interceptions and six fumbles. Do the math on that. Who's got the better touchdown to turnover ratio there? Who's got the better one? 44 to 22 or 29 to 13? So just by doing that, you look at, oh, Josh Allen is 
plus six on Lamar Jackson in regards to touchdown inter- turnover ratio. So you want to throw in the turnovers at me? Well, that's fine. Because <laughs> his ratio is better than your MVP. By a decent margin as well. Josh Allen only had one game where he had less than two total touchdowns in a game. I'm pretty sure that was the Chargers game, if I remember correctly. Because even the Cowboys game, he had two touchdowns. In the game, he didn't really need to do anything <laughs> because the Cowboys were so ass. And you can go, well, Logan, the Ravens played more playoff teams. Well, they didn't. Lamar Jackson beat five playoff teams. Josh Allen beat five playoff teams this year. The only thing you could sit here and tell me why Lamar Jackson's MVP this year is because the Ravens have a 13-4 record. That's it. That's really it. Because no other metric leans toward Lamar Jackson. It doesn't. It doesn't. Like, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. And not only that, the Bills win their fourth straight division title after starting 6-6. Six and six, and come back to win your division title Again, for the fourth straight year. And Josh Allen also, which you've been talking about turnovers again, never lost a lead in the fourth quarter on a turnover. Didn't do it one time this year. Had a drive that tied or took the lead in four of their six losses. Had a drive that either took the lead or tied the game in four of their six losses. Lamar Jackson lost a fourth-quarter lead on a turnover twice this year, which Josh Allen didn't do that, but you know Josh Allen's turnovers are the thing that you're going to put against him in regards to this MVP race. And Lamar did it against Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Like, it's not... Again, I feel bad for doing this because I really like Lamar Jackson. I really do. But that game against Pittsburgh... He had no touchdowns, actually, and an interception while completing 57% of his passes, and they lost 17-10. 17-10. That is crazy. The Steelers. Steelers can't do anything. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The Ravens obviously lost to the, Brown- the Steelers last week of the regular season, too, but Lamar Jackson did not play that game. But those last two weeks... Seven touchdowns passing in the last two weeks. That's impressive stuff. And that's the only thing that got him the MVP is those final two weeks. Because that's all you heard after that game. After the 49ers game where Brock Purdy threw four interceptions, that's all you heard was Lamar Jackson's MVP. And then he had the the Dolphins game where he threw the five touchdowns, had another perfect pass rating against the Dolphins. Crazy how two MVP candidates can have perfect pass ratings against the Miami Dolphins. They have had three different defensive coordinators (laughs) the past three seasons. And now they're going to get, it sounds like, Leslie Frazier. And I pray they get Leslie Frazier because Leslie Frazier is the reason that the Bills don't have a Super Bowl appearance. I'm not even going to say win. I think they would have beat the Rams, but they would have at least gone the Super Bowl at that point. Prevent defense, good Lord. Playing prevent defense on third and four, at your own 30-yard line is pretty ridiculous. You're seven yards back on third and four? Really? Like, Vic Fangio did that against the Bills in the last week of the regular season. And like, fourth and what? I don't even remember what the down distance were. But they had everybody on the goal line with, like, eight seconds left. Like, they're not going to go for the end zone now. All they got to do is get the first down. And it didn't matter anyways. They ended up scoring at halftime. Ty Johnson got hit at the one-yard line by Jerome Baker, I think. 
But I, I just don't understand the, like this media driven narrative over the MVP race this year is kind of frustrating. It's really frustrating. Like you wouldn't believe that Josh Allen did all this stuff this year with the way they talk about him. Like I've seen people on Twitter defend Lamar Jackson about having an offensive coordinator that put him in positions to fail. But Lamar Jackson wasn't running. The offensive coordinator didn't tell him to throw into triple coverage. The offensive coordinator didn't have him overthrow three or four deep balls throughout the game. Like the Ravens got beat up. The offensive coordinator did not get a strip sack for him holding on the ball too long. Because finally enough, Lamar Jackson turned the ball over more in one game than Josh Allen did the entire playoffs this year. Six touchdowns, six interceptions, six playoff games for Lamar Jackson. He can win MVP, and he can win the second straight second MVP for his career. There's nothing that tells me he's better than Josh Allen. There's nothing. That MVP season he had in 2019, yeah, that's fine. I could, I will hold my hands up with that one. There ain't nothing else since then that says he's better than Josh Allen. There's not. There's not. And you look at the other MVP candidates as well, like, like Dak, fine. I mean, he led the league in passing touchdowns. He had 36 passing touchdowns this year. Um, threw the ball religiously to D.C.D. Lamb. <laughs> That's the only person he threw it to. But, yeah, and he didn't turn the ball over as much this year. Because remember, he said he wasn't going to turn – he wasn't going to throw 10-plus interceptions this year, and he threw nine or something like that before the season. I think that's what he said. It was either 10 or 12. So he led the league in interceptions last year and played like 12 games, <laughs> which was impressive. Is impressive. But then you got then you got Chris McCaffrey, obviously. Uh Insane year for running back, but in the modern NFL, quarterbacks had to be completely ass for a running back to win MVP. Or any other position for that matter. It's a quarterback award at this point. I've compared it numerous times to the Cy Young and MVP award in baseball. Like a a player, a pitcher can win an MVP, but so can like a third baseman. Only a pitcher can win the Cy Young. That's kind of what the NFL MVP is. Like, a quarterback can win off to player of the year, but so can a running back. Only quarterbacks at this point in time can win MVPs. That's just the fact of the matter. Like, Justin Jefferson last year came fifth. <laughs> Chris McCaffrey might come in fifth this year. And then you got Brock Purdy, obviously, who has a like an insane cult following on Twitter. Like, uh, social, like everywhere. He has the most, probably most insane following out of anybody I've ever seen in recent NFL history. And he's just fine. If you say anything bad about Brock Purdy on social media, it's always, why you hating? Why you hating? Why you hating? You can't be constructive criticism about it. You can't give any constructive criticism about how he plays because you're just hating at that point. Per the people on social media. Like Cam Newton today came out, and you remember the big thing about Cam Newton's the one that came out and said, Brock Purdy's a um, game manager. Dak Prescott's a game manager. Tua's a game manager. No one got mad when he said Dak and Tua. No one said, no one got mad about that. But when you say it about Brock Purdy, because we got the story involved, last pick of the draft. If he didn't get hurt last year, Niners are going to the Super Bowl. All that stuff. But that was the only one anybody had a problem with. I don't know if you remember this. He also said Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. But no one remembered that one. It was just Brock Purdy. That was it. That's the only one people seem to remember from that 10-minute video that he made like a month ago. 
or however long ago that video was become, however long that video came out. Like I remember sitting there on Christmas, or Christmas was it Christmas when the Niners and Ravens played? And that had to be, that was Christmas, right? So it was, it was the night game, and my uncle I got in a conversation with my uncle and my sister's boyfriend about who should win MVP, and at that time I said Josh Allen, and they said Brock Purdy, at least my uncle did. And I was under the impression that Brock Purdy was probably the fifth or sixth most valuable player in his own offense, let alone the entire league. And they didn't like that too much and basically said, I love the story, essentially. And when I went over constructive criticism about Brock Purdy, it didn't matter because I was hating. (laughs) And on Christmas, we had the game on, Ravens-Niners, First drive of the game before Brock Purdy threw the interception in the red zone. They got a first down, and my uncle just walked up next to me and just pointed a first down across my face. I was like, I don't care. Like, it, Brock Purdy does nothing against – I have nothing against Brock Purdy. I have everything against the people that <laughs> religiously support this guy. Like, I have absolutely nothing against Brock Purdy. Like, he did that across my face. Like, I don't care. He's like, I think I'm the only one cheering for the Niners. He's like, No. I don't care who wins this game. The Ravens and Niners has no implications on my life at all. Especially at that point. It's zero meaning for me at all. And then Purdy throws four interceptions, and I didn't even say anything after the game. Like, it just didn't matter. It happened. I wasn't going to sit there and gloat about it. It's like, oh, I was right, Brock Purdy sucks. I never once said Brock Purdy sucks. I've never said Brock Purdy sucks on this show. But if you say Brock Purdy is okay... Or Brock Purdy's a good quarterback. No, Brock Purdy's a great quarterback. Why are you hating? That's a good... Ooh, he managed the game pretty well there. What are we doing, man? What are we doing? Like, on this ESPN article, he's coming fifth in the MVP vote. I think that's perfectly fine. Because there's no way you can tell me Brock Purdy is better than Chris McCaffrey or more valuable to the 49ers than Chris McCaffrey is. And Cam Newton released a list today of the 10... Because he said Brock Purdy's the 10th most valuable player on the Niners. Because when I said he was the sixth or fifth best, most valuable player on the Niners, it was their offense. We're not even including likes of Fred Warner. We're not including likes of Nick Bosa, Charvarius Ward, Drake Greenlaw, Hufanga when he's healthy. We're not including these types of guys. I was just including the offense. But he has McCaffrey, Trent Williams, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, Debo, George Kittle, Charvarius Ward, Drake Greenlaw, Brandon Ayuk, and Purdy. You would have thought Chase Clay, Chase Young before the season when they got traded here, but Chase Young's about to get benched <laughs> for extreme lack of effort. Eric Armstead's another one. D tackle. Kyle Uzcheck. He's a fullback though, so you're not going to say that one. That was kind of just reaching. <laughs> like, how can you look at that and go like, like where would you rank him then, out of the 49ers players? Where does he come in at? Because the fact of the matter is, on a worse roster. Jimmy Garoppolo got the Niners to a Super Bowl. And I think Brock Purdy is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Let, the, let me state that. I think he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. But let's not sit here like he's working miracles here, because he's not. He's playing good. I don't want to take anything away from the guy. He's playing good. But he is limited in what he can do. He is. And that's just a fact. That's not me hating. I think Brock Purdy made some massive plays towards the end of the game in the Niners-Lions Niners, uh, game, especially running the ball. We said the other day, Brock Purdy does a very good job at standing tall in the pocket, even though he's not very tall, and he'll take shots. He'll float a ball across the middle, and the receivers make a catch. The 49ers had the least amount of drops this year. The least amount of drops this year. Like, I like Brock Purdy. I think he's, I like, I do like the story. 
The story itself is good. But guess what? This isn't Disney. He's a good quarterback. He's good. I'll give him that. He's good. You can make an argument for him being top 10. But, and that's when everybody's still kicking it. Because we had a lot of injured quarterbacks this year. If everybody's kicking it, you can make an argument for him top 10. I'm not going to sit here and say he's anything above, like, six. I don't think, I cannot justify saying that at all. Maybe you can. Maybe you can justify it. But I can't sit here and go like, yeah, Brock Purdy's the sixth best quarterback in the NFL. I can't. I can't. Because I think there's better quarterbacks out there. I think in regards to where they, how they throw the ball, their arm power, like Jordan Love. I think I can make a pretty decent argument for why Jordan Love is a better quarterback than Brock Purdy. But Jordan Love is working with rookies and second-year players, with the youngest roster in the NFL, with no Grant Williams in the offensive line, with no Kyle Shanahan, sure, Kyle might the floor, good coach. But Kyle Shanahan seems to have his number recently. Even though I do think, again, the Packers should have beaten the 49ers. And Jordan Love's got some things to work on as well. Obviously, you cannot run a roll to the right and throw it all the way across the middle. You cannot do that. That's Brett Favre against the Saints in the playoffs. You can't be doing that kind of stuff. But Jordan Love made some ridiculous throw to Romeo Dobbs down the left sideline. I think it was in the first half. was a crazy throw. Crazy. All the throws he made against the Dallas Cowboys. Crazy throws. Like, Jordan Love is a dude. Jordan Love set records this year that would broke every single Chicago Bear quarterback record at that time <laughs> this season. And sure, there was some growing pains early on. But again, it's your first year starting, and you're working with the youngest team in the NFL. There's no real veterans to turn to. It's Aaron Jones, and that's it. David Bakhtiari played one game this year. In the past three seasons, David Bakhtiari has played 14 games. And don't make that sound cool. He played one game three years ago, one game this year, and last year, or one game two years ago, one game this year, and then 12 last year. So let's not sound, I'm not sitting here and sound like, oh, he's played six, six, and six, or whatever. That didn't even equal 14. <laughs> that, equals, that equals 18. Good Lord. But I thought it'd be fun. I'm not going to rank the players on the 49ers. But I am going to sit here and rank the top 10 quarterbacks, or top 32. We're going to go with every quarterback. Oh, George Nyang at Iowa State. Uh, Ex-pro athletes hating on current pro athletes ain't the vibe, dude. I hate when people say dude on social media. Dude, with an explanation point. And he didn't hate on him. He literally didn't. I don't know if you watched the video. I mean, I know that's a trend that we're doing now where we don't watch things. We just read the caption. <laughs> and the caption is, Brock Burry's the 10th best player in the Niners. I don't think George Niang watched the video. I really don't. Because he didn't hate on him at all. There's a such thing as constructive criticism. But if it's against your guy, like I will take Josh Allen criticism. I blasted him after that Jets game. <laughs> when Josh Allen plays like shit, I will let it be known. I said it after the Bengals game last year. If you can tell me Josh Allen's been shit and you can actually like prove it, then yeah, you, I will tell you. Yeah, Josh Allen was shit. Turned the ball over four times against the New York Jets. With three interceptions, the same person. <laughs> he played like absolute shit. He didn't play very good against the Giants, if I remember correctly. He scored 14 points in that game on Sunday Night Football. Lost to the freaking Patriots. Once Joe Brady took over. And Joe Brady got announced the odds coordinator, which is good stuff. Love to see that. Babbage got promoted to D coordinator. It's all good stuff to see. Because Joe Brady... When he got promoted, he was still using Ken Dorsey's offense. He was adjusting Ken Dorsey's broken-ass offense. And now you're going to get a Joe Brady-esque offense. So I was telling my dad, though they're in a little bit of a weird cap situation, if they draft well, I'm going to be more confident going into this year than I was last year. 
That's how I'm looking at it anyways. But yeah, I don't I don't know if he watched the video. I really don't think he watched the video. I don't. But that's that's fine. That's fine. Teach their own. Teach their own. But let's do this. Let's go through each quarterback. We're gonna do it in the old Logan Blackman show way, where we go like we'll start with a guy that'll go, is this guy better? Is this guy worse? And we'll move on from there. It's a, it's a standard Logan Blackman show practice here. So we always work things on Logan Blackman show. But the first quarterback we are going to start off with, I think it makes sense, to start off with Mr. Purdy. So start off there. After that, then we get a little weird. Because I think Kyler Murray is a better quarterback than Brock Purdy. But if we're basing it off this year, it's hard for me to say that Kyler Murray was a better quarterback this year. I think Brock, Kyler Murray has got a lot of talent. Like, people forget Kyler Murray was an MVP candidate, or MVP, like, people talked about him winning an MVP a few years ago. Like, when the Hale-Murray play happened, there's a lot of talk about Kyler Murray winning an MVP, but we'll put him below Mur- We'll put him below Purdy for this season. We'll put him below, and he came back late, came back from a torn ACL, so we're gonna, we'll, we'll dock him some points for that one. Another injured quarterback is uh, Geno Smith. Geno, 20 touchdowns, nine picks this year. Decent enough at times. Missed some games this year. Jordan, Jordan, Drew Locke obviously had the good game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Fun stuff, but I I put Geno below Kyler. I like Kyler. I like Geno too, but I put him below Kyler. And then Matt Stafford. Would you put Stafford above or below Brock Purdy? Because I think Matt Stafford on his day <laughs> is a better quarterback than Brock Purdy. And Matt Stafford, rookie rookie receivers, and Puka Nakua, who surprisingly led the league in drops this year. I was not aware of that, but until recently. But he also had 160 freaking targets. Uh, based off this year, I would normally put Stafford above Purdy, but I'll put Stafford just below Brock Purdy for right now. Now we move on to the NFC. So that's the East. That's West. So we'll go North, South, East, West. So we're going reverse order. We'll go East. Dak. Dak was better than every quarterback on here this year. I mean, again, like we said, Dak was second in the league in touchdowns this year. Total touchdowns. Led the league in passing touchdowns this year. Like, I'll give Dak some credit in that regard. So we'll put Dak there. Jalen. I mean, Jalen, 38 touchdowns this year. Good stuff, but the Eagles just completely fell apart this year. Absolutely fell apart this year. So would I put him below or above Matt Stafford? Like, the last part of the season, they were 10-1 and one at one point. They were 10 and freaking one. <laughs> and then they ended up finishing the season at what? 11 and six. And then got blasted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the playoffs. That's not really the stuff you want to be seeing. It's not really the stuff you want to be seeing, but I, for this year, I'll put him below Purdy and above Stafford for this year, for this year. Then we've got, who else we got? Sam Howell. He's probably going to go in last. Sam Howell had good portions of the season. Obviously led the league in interceptions this year. But there was a a point in time in the season where he was leading the league in passing yards. There was a point in time where the commanders looked like, hey, we might actually got something this Sam Howell got. And I liked Sam Howell at North Carolina. But, man, he just (laughs) – he fell off a cliff. He got benched like three times for Jacoby Brissett, and each time Jacoby Brissett picked up some weird injury and then he wouldn't be able to play the next game. So I'll put Sam Howell last. And then Daniel Jones – or Tommy DeVito, or Tyrod Taylor, whoever. Daniel Jones is better than Sam Howell. I, I'll i put Daniel Jones above him, but he didn't do anything. I think he had two touchdowns and six picks or something this year. 
Like it was a brutal start to the season for Daniel Jones. Obviously went on IR after that with a neck injury, I believe. But I'll put him at seven. I, I think he's better than Sam Howell. Just <laughs> I'm and it's hard to do that, just looking at the numbers purely, but I would put Yeah, I think that's how I'll do it. I might move Hertz down one. We'll adjust it at the end. We'll adjust it at the end. Uh, now we got East South, the worst division in football. Uh, Desmond Ritter, we'll start off with him, a dead last. I don't remember anything positive Desmond Ritter did, I, except for the <laughs> the Nickelodeon brought the Toy Story broadcast. That was hilarious. He threw two pick sixes on back-to-back drives, if I remember correctly, and watching that on the Toy Story broadcast was so funny. Desmond Ritter... <laughs> <laughs> he's got he's last we're gonna throw him in last Bryce Young I don't want to do this because I think Bryce Young is going to be a lot better next year but I can't say he was better than ah uh, do I want to put a do I want to put him above Sam Howell and Daniel Jones I feel I don't because Sam Howell ended up with 21 touchdowns 21 touchdowns 21 picks Bryce Young, 11 touchdowns, 11, 10 interceptions. Sam Howell had about 1,000 yards more passing. Had a, Okay, we'll put we'll put Purdy, or Purdy, we'll put Young at just above Ritter. I don't like doing that. I think Bryce Young's better, but that offense they ran this year was brutal. Absolutely brutal. You're talking about creating separation? The Panthers had no semblance of doing that this year. Absolutely none. I felt so bad for Bryce Young this year. And then it didn't help him at all that CJ Stroud was balling out with the Texans. I didn't help anything. And yeah, it was just a complete and utter mess down there. Uh, Baker, I mean, based off this year, you got to put him below Stafford, right? Like put him above Murray. And I mean, Baker for expectations compared to what happened is like night and day difference. I remember like going into the season, people said the rate, the Buccaneers got an F for their offseason activity because they didn't replace Tom Brady. They brought in Baker Mayfield to compete with Kyle Trask, and it felt like they took forever to announce who the starter was. And then Baker comes out and then has a very solid season. Obviously made the Pro Bowls an alternate. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give Baker Mayfield some credit this year. He played really well. For hit the, for what, again, what was expected? I mean, he got cut by the Panthers last year, signed with the Rams, had that good game, and then it's kind of just he left, and it's. Man, Baker, where's he going to go this offseason? What's he going to do? Is he going to start? What's happening? Are they going to re-sign him? Because he's a free agent, so I don't know what his future holds. But he had a good year this year. And then the final one is, who are we missing? Derek Carr. Uh, this is a weird one. Because Derek Carr did not have, like, a terrible statistical season. Like, you look at 3,800 yards. Uh, you've got, I, I am going to flip. I am going to flip uh, Hertz and Stafford. I am going to do that. Hold on. It's been bothering me. I am going to do that. <laughs> I am going to do that here. But um, you look at well, where were we even at? Derek Carr. Okay. <laughs> like statistically, not bad. 25 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Not bad at all. But the way the Saints offense was this year was so disheartening. Like there were times where I thought they were going to kill Derek Carr. And I'm not talking about like they were going to get him killed on the field. I think like the players were going to kill him. I don't think they liked him. Based off what everything I saw this year, I don't think the Saints players really fell in love with Derek Carr as their leader. And the questions going into this offseason when they signed him was, is he really much of an upgrade on Andy Dalton? So you look at the numbers and how they finished this year, 
not really. I mean, they, they won more games, I guess, but I don't know where you even put him. Like, it's such a weird... Where do you even put Derek Carr? Do you put him above Geno? Or do you put him below Geno? Well, I don't even know where... I don't, I don't know how you rank this guy. I don't know how you would do that. I'm going to put him... I'm going to put him below Geno. I'm going to put him below Geno. Just because of the fact of the, <laughs> the the video. Like, Eric McCoy, the center, there was a clip where it looked like he was going to rip his head off on the field. Like, they did not get along with Derek Carr this year. So, I'll put him below Geno. But don't fret. There's going to be other quarterbacks. We've only gone through 12. And then now we're on the NFC North. So, do we want to go? There's some decent quarterbacks in this division. We'll start off with Justin Fields. This is an interesting one. Justin Fields is a very, very interesting one because, yes, he improved as the season progressed when he came back from that injury, but it wasn't against, like, I don't know, the greatest teams of all time, defenses anyways, but he did play well. He never threw for more than one touchdown pass in any of these games. He did early on in the season against the Commanders and the Broncos, but that Commanders game was just stupid. I That Commanders game, I've never seen so many uh, – uh, Olay cornerbacks in my entire life than that game. DJ Moore had like 150,000 yards in that game and 18 touchdowns. But Justin Fields, this season, 16 touchdowns, nine interceptions. That's just throwing the ball. You've got, also got, hold on, 657 rushing yards, which are pretty impressive with four rushing touchdowns. I'm probably going to put him below Carr. I probably am. Because there were portions as well. It was like, what is what is going on? What is going on? But I'll probably... That's probably where I'll stick him, yeah. That's probably where I'll stick him. I don't know if I like that for now. But we'll, we'll adjust as we go on. Now we got the other guys. We'll go with Jared Goff. We'll start off with Jared Goff there after Justin Fields. Jared Goff, um, I would put him probably below Jalen. I like Jared Goff a lot. I like Jared Goff. So... See to see him go from the Rams and the Super Bowl to get traded to a team that sucked ass the Lions to then not only becoming better than what he was in LA, then getting them to a division title, leading them to an NFC championship. Like it was just a really good start. Beating the Rams in the process. Like it was a very fun story there. But probably put him at five. Kirk, this is a weird one because Kirk was having a very, very, very good year before he got hurt, before he snapped his Achilles. Like Kirk Cousins this year, uh, twenty three hundred yards, eighteen touchdowns, five picks. That's pretty damn good stuff right there. That's pretty good stuff right there from Kirky boy. But he only played eight games, which I don't know if that makes it like we should put him up higher because it's impressive that he did that in eight games, or we should put him lower because he only played eight games. I don't know. We'll probably put him below Jalen just for sake of it, just because of the fact that he played eight games. Nothing to, like if Kirk continued on that trajectory who knows Kirk might have been in the MVP conversation this year like if they kept playing like that and Justin Jefferson didn't get hurt and he didn't have to play like hospital balls with Nick Mullins and Josh Dobbs and Jaron Hall like if you didn't have to go through that all year maybe the Vikings have a completely different season who the hell knows that's why we said Kirk Cousins was the most valuable player on the team a few months ago or a month or two ago however long ago that was because you had to sit there and watch Nick Mullins Jaron Hall and Josh Dobbs try to play football it wasn't very fun the meme wore off of the pastronaut and he turned it back into an astronaut pretty quick. <laughs> he had the Falcons game, and that was pretty much it. That was pretty much it. 
Nick Mullins, the the basically laying down interception against the Bengals. I don't think I've ever seen an interception like that before. And Jaron Hall just got pulled. He got concussed against the Falcons, got pulled at halftime against the Packers. Like, it was just a – he had a mess of a rookie year. And, uh, I mean, he wouldn't have played if Kirk Cousins did get hurt. So maybe you should look at that in somewhat positive light. And then the final one is Jordan Love. Again, I liked what Jordan Love did this year. I'm going to put him at number two behind Dak. Just because, again, the expectations going into the season. I remember sitting here and seeing Adam Shine tweet, Jordan Love cannot play football. I saw that on Twitter. (laughs) Adam Shine is a CBS sports analyst. He's got one of the bigger sports shows in America right now. And he said Jordan Love can't play football. And Jordan Love threw 4,100 yards, was second in the league in passing touchdowns, while only throwing 11 interceptions this year. Like, Jordan Love, given the expectations, again, having the youngest team in the NFL, having the youngest receiving court in the NFL. Again, like we talked about the Cowboys game. Every single person, apart from Aaron Jones, that caught a ball in that game was either a rookie or a second-year player. Every single one. Every single one. And do I think he would want to take back that interception he threw, the two interceptions he threw, because both against the 49ers were bad? Do Do I think he wanted those back? For sure. But he'll grow in time with that. And I'll put, I, I think, I do think, I, if I would, I would take Jordan Love. I like Jordan Love a lot. So I, I'd probably lean towards Jordan Love. But I, I might flip. This list is not set in stone or anything. Now we go over to the AFC. Now we go over to the AFC side. We have got, we'll start off with the North. So we'll go in reverse order. We'll start off with the North. Uh, Lamar, yeah, we'll put Lamar at one. I mean, it's pretty simple. He's better than Dak. He's better than everybody else on this list. I'm going to save the last person for last. Uh, Then we'll move on to Joe Flacco, because he was the one that I think of with the Browns this year. Joe Flacco, I would put him above Baker, below Goff. So that's at number nine. I think that's fair for Joe Flacco this year. He had good numbers this year for, like, coming off the couch. I mean, it wasn't, like, world-beating. I was thinking, like, 13 touchdowns, eight picks or something like that. But still, Joe Flacco did not have a lot of expectations going in. He didn't. And then they go to the playoff game. Sure, he threw his back-to-back pick sixes. But <laughs> but he had a good year apart from that. And then you've got... Who else are we missing? Kenny Pickett. I feel bad for Kenny Pickett because I think Kenny Pickett can play football, but I'm going to put him below Daniel Jones. I, I Kenny Pickett. There were some frustrating moments for Kenny Pickett this year. And I don't know what the situation was with him in the playoff game in the latter parts of the season. Like, did they bench him? Did he not want to play? What was... What was the reasoning behind him not playing in the playoffs? I know he was hurt for a little bit. But I and Mike Tomlin obviously said they're going to bring in competition from this offseason, whatever that means. I don't know. We'll put Now he was better than Daniel Jones. We'll put him we'll put him above Daniel Jones. So he's at 15. And then the final one Joe Burrow. Because I know Jake Browning played a lot of games this year, and I know Joe Burrow didn't have his greatest year ever. Is Joe Burrow number one or number two? Is he behind Lamar or is he above Lamar? Depends on what you're really looking for. If we're basing it off the here and now, it's Lamar. But if you're basing it off their careers to this point, ah, I don't know. I'll put Burrow at two just because of the fact he didn't play. He got hurt. And that's not nothing he could control. Here in his calf preseason, he obviously destroyed his arm. 
during the, the was that the Jaguars game? No, it was the Ravens game. It was the Ravens game. He's obviously had success in the playoffs, at least by the media standards. But I'll put him at I'll put him at two. I'll put him at two. Take a sip of my orange juice. Now we got North South. AFC South. We will start off with Trevor Lawrence, who did not live up to expectations this year for what is expected of a quarterback of his caliber. Like there were people calling him MVP before the season started. Jaguars were going to win 13, 14 games this year, according to some people. And not only did they shit the bed, they missed the playoffs entirely. And I think Trevor Lawrence playing through injury or trying to play through a high ankle sprain had something to do with that because he wasn't healthy at the end of the year. But if I was taking a quarterback, I would have him higher. But based off this season, I'd put him pro- – I'll put him below Hurts. Because, again, the Kirk Cousins thing will be the injuries. I, I would – Hmm. I don't know. Come back to me on that one. We'll come. We'll talk about that one a little bit. <laughs> then we got all the young guys. I mean, and we're not going to count Andy Richardson because Gardner Minshew was the guy who played most of the season this year. And he made the Pro Bowl, so we got to give him some respect. Uh, Gardner Minshew, I'm going to put him below Derek Carr. I don't think he's better than Derek Carr. I know he had a decent year. I know he made the Pro Bowl, which whatever. But I put him below Derek Carr. Based off this year. Then you got Will Levis. Where does Will Levis rank in all of this? He had a good year. He had a good I'll put him below Justin Fields because I, I liked what Will Levis did. Will Levis obviously came into Miami down double digits <laughs> with two minutes to go and came back and won. That was a big reason for why the Bills were able to go on to win the division title. And then they obviously beat the Jaguars last week of the regular season, which also helped ease the pressure on the bill, I guess he didn't even play that game. Ryan Tannehill did, but it's still <laughs> he was still on the team. He was still on the team. And then the final one here, we got C.J. Stroud. We're putting him below Burrow. Stroud was awesome this year. You have arguably one of the greatest rookie seasons of all time. We talk about expectations again. They traded up to get Will Anderson at three. The 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 reaction for most people out there is like, what are they doing? Why are, why are they trading up? Why are they giving up next year's first round pick? They're not going to be good next year. The general consensus was that the Arizona Cardinals were going to have back-to-back picks at the number one and two spot. Because <laughs> the Cardinals were widely considered to be the worst team in football. And the Texans weren't far behind them. You have a rookie quarterback, rookie head coach. Like, you had some pieces there. You got Will Anderson. Like, it was going to... Tank Dell was a really good draft pick, which we liked at the time. But that pick at, at first value was not really seen... Received positively by the general masses. But C.J. Stroud balled out. Absolutely balled out this year. And deserves every ounce of good things that happen. It just happens to be played the Ravens, who have the best defense in football, and your young quarterback and the road. Just what was the what's the clock struck midnight? I guess sucks, but you know that's that shit happens. You won your first playoff game by a hundred points against the Browns, thanks to two pick sixes again. But CJ Stroud played awesome in that game too. Right, he had multiple games that were awesome, awesome this year. So I'll put him just behind Burrow. North, South, East. Uh, we got Josh Allen. Put him at number one, just because I can. It's my list. I can put him wherever. Josh Allen, number one. Uh, Tua. We'll throw Tua. Based off this, I'm going to throw him below Stafford. So he's at nine. Again, he led the league in passing yards, but I've never been like the biggest fan of Tua, especially in the latter portions of the season. I'm just not. And he's fine. He's a good quarterback. 
See, I won't get I won't get castrated for saying that, but I will if I say that about Brock Purdy. And Tua, I mean, we're talking statistically, did have <laughs> did have more yards than Brock Purdy with the same bound complete same, pretty much the same completion percentage. Had what two less touchdowns, three more picks. So I don't know. Depends on how you want to look at it, I guess. Brock Purdy also threw a whole hell of a lot less passes. Good lord, I didn't even realize that. He threw four hundred forty four passes this year. Good God. 444? Who threw less than that? Out of Desmond Ritter is the only quarter. Justin Fields threw less than that. Brock Purdy played 16 games. He threw 444 passes? That is ridiculous. I didn't know he threw that little amount of passes. Like, look at everybody else in the top five. Tua threw 560. Jared Goff threw 605, which is insane in itself. 605 passes this year and completed 67% of his passes. Damn impressive. Uh, Dak threw 590, Josh Allen threw 579, Mahomes, who's at 6, threw 597, Jordan Love threw 579, good lord, CJ Stroud threw 499, Baker threw 566, good lord, 444 passes, good lord, no wonder his completion percentage go gosh darn high, goodness gracious, but to it, yeah, we'll throw him at number 9, uh, who else do we got? Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. There are a couple here. They're going to go just above Ritter. Both of them are just going to go above Ritter. I'm going to put Mac Jones lower because at least I can remember Zach Wilson having that game against Patrick Mahomes on Sunday Night Football. At least I can remember that. I Mac Jones did not have a good game this year. <laughs> he got benched four times. He got blanked 34 to nothing by the Saints and obviously he beat the Bills. But like there were back-to-back games. Like <laughs> I got to find their... That stretch. Because the Bills, ironically, were their first home win of the season. Yeah, in back-to-back games <laughs> against the Cowboys and Saints, they lost 38-3 and 34-0. Back-to-back games. Yeah, I am i can't put Matt. At least I can remember something Zach Wilson did positively this year. <laughs> at least I can remember a little bit of what he did this year. Both of them beat the Bills, so it's whatever. And now we got North, South, East, West. So we will go with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson played well this year. Given, again, we talked about expectations. Like, it was all about can Sean Payton resurrect Russell Wilson. I think a lot of his pass, like against the Bills, threw a lot of pass, a lot of short passes. That would eat up a lot of yards afterwards. Like, that happened a decent amount for him this year. I would put him below Baker. I'll put him at 16. But he had a good year, given what we were expecting or what we saw last year. With that abysmal offense that he was running, and now the abysmal stats he had, he was miserable last year. So to have him back in the top half for now, he's not going to be because every quarterback, ah, no, Aiden O'Connell. <laughs> I almost jinxed myself. Aiden O'Connell had moments, but he's a prime example of why wins aren't a quarterback stat. That dude went 0 for 10 in the fourth quarter against the Chiefs, and the Raiders beat the Chiefs. <laughs> It was either over 10 in the fourth quarter or over, to over 10 in the entire second half. Either way, it was not a great performance from him on Christmas Day. But the Raiders still ended up winning the game. But Aiden O'Connell, I would put him... I'll put him below Pickett. That's what I'm going to do. They need a quarterback. I don't know when they're going to draft one, but they need a quarterback. So he's below Pickett. And this is all going to be adjusted at some point. Justin Herbert, we're not going to think twice about this. We're going to put him below Burrow. Pretty simple stuff. And then number one is Patrick Mahomes. 
I don't care about like the MVP stuff. I'm I've said this numerous times. Unless I'm being extremely biased, I'm not gonna say anybody's better than Patrick Mahomes. It's it's gonna take a lot. <laughs> Unless I just want to cause a ruckus, I'm not gonna say anybody's better than Patrick Mahomes. But that's the list. I think it's a relatively good list, and it's relatively good. So here's my top ten or top thirty-two quarterbacks from this past season. And I know Mahomes, twenty-seven touchdowns, not the greatest stuff of all time, but again, it's Patrick freaking Mahomes. I don't care. Uh, Patrick Mahomes number one. Josh Allen, two. Lamar, three. Burrow, four. Herbert, five. So my same top five that I had preseason. Then C.J. Stroud, six. Dak, seven. Jordan Love, eight. Purdy, nine. Stafford, ten. That's a fairly decent top ten. You can make arguments for everybody else that list. The only thing, I'm not budging. Like, Jordan Love played better than Dak Prescott by a wide margin in that playoff game. So I could make an argument that Dak Prescott should be below Jordan Love. But... I'm not going to, but I think I could make an argument for that, and I might. <laughs> and then the rest of it reads, 2 at 11, Jalen Hurts 12, Trevor Lawrence 13, Kirk 14, which Kirk would be higher if he didn't get hurt, uh, Jared Goff 15, Jared Goff could be higher on this list too, Joe Flacco 16, Baker 17, Russell Wilson 18, Kyler Murray 19, Geno 20, Derek Carr 21, which I can move Derek Carr up maybe a couple places, Gardner Minshew 22, Justin Fields, 23. Will Levis, 24. Kenny Pickett, 25. Aiden O'Connell, who I can maybe move up one or two, uh, 26. Daniel Jones, 27. Sam Howell, 28. Bryce Young, 29. Zach Wilson, 30. Mac Jones, 31. And Desmond Ritter, 32. So that's my top 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, would it be different if Anthony Richardson was in there instead of Gardner Minshew? Maybe. But I'm really excited to see what that division next year. Because... You've got Trevor Lawrence, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis. That is a fun division with young quarterbacks. That's what you want to see in the NFL. I'm excited for that. That is a beautiful division. And you're going to get quarterbacks in all these new divisions too. The NFC North will look a little different next year. Maybe not at face value because like the Vikings, they'll probably draft a quarterback at some point. Maybe first round. But they probably won't be starting right away. That is That, all, that does depend on if they bring back Kirk Cousins, which I would imagine they are. So if Kirk Cousins comes back, they won't start right away, but they can look at it from that standpoint. They go, oh, there's someone to face. So the Bears will have a new quarterback in. We can expect it to be Caleb Williams. Like, we got some fun stuff this offseason. Like, the AFC West, they'll have some new quarterbacks to go along with Mahomes and Herbert. Like, Russell, will he be there next year? Maybe, but they're going to draft somebody regardless. The Raiders will probably draft somebody or bring somebody in. Maybe they bring in Kirk. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they draft. I think a dream scenario, they want to get Jane Daniels. I don't know how realistic that is. Because obviously Jane Daniels played for Antonio Pierce at Arizona State, so maybe that's something that's in the works. I don't know. But that would be that wouldn't be surprising if that happened. That wouldn't that wouldn't shock me too much. But you know, you, you gotta wait for this kind of stuff. And, and the 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 draft the scouting process for some people really starts this week. Like this is the week to start like looking at players because this weekend is the senior bowl. Unlike the NFL honors, I know the senior bowls this week. <laughs> it's this Saturday. So if you want to watch the senior bowl, which I would very much recommend you do, the senior bowl is at what time is it at? It's at noon on Saturday on NFL network. So if you want to watch that game, I would very much recommend you watch it. We're going to go quickly over some of the players that are taking part in this game. Some of the, the bigger name players are just scrolling the roster. Quinion Mitchell. We're on the, 
national team right now. They changed it from north and south because I remember a couple years ago, Justin Herbert, I'm pretty sure, played for the south team. I don't know if you guys are aware where Oregon is, but it doesn't really doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Senior Bowl. I got to make sure he was on the, actually on the south team because that, that was so, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Justin Herbert was on the south team. Oregon in the south. That's pretty funny. But uh, Quinion Mitchell from Toledo, he's had a fantastic week. He's not the, I mean, he's a small school guy from Toledo. So that's going to be a little bit concerned for people going into the draft, but that dude's a dog. Absolute dog. He's been winning a lot of reps this weekend. He had big production the year before, had decent amount of production last year, but this dude's a dog. He's going to go in the first round. He's going to go top 20, which is surprising for someone out of Toledo, but that's what we're going to see this year. I don't know who's going to take him, but I'm going to boil the mock draft for you. But we have him in the top. You have him in the top twenty. Max Melton, another corner. He's from Rutgers. I like him a decent amount. Uh, Tyler Davis from Clemson, big dude. Adissa Isaac, edge rusher from Penn State's on there. Dwayne Carter from Duke. We've got keep scrolling down a little bit. Michael Hall, edge rusher from Ohio State. Ed D, D lineman from Ohio State. Sorry, uh, Leadu Ladu. From UCLA, edge rusher, one of the better edge rushers in the draft this year. He's got some injury history. Technically, he did retire from football. He technically did. He was at Washington, and Washington's staff basically said, hey, uh, your neck injury is not really healing the way it should. So he transferred, and UCLA gave him an opportunity to play, and he balled out. Like, you remember Jalen Phillips, who's the NFL now with the Miami Dolphins. He transferred from UCLA. He retired there and then went to Miami. Had a good season there and got drafted in the first round. Ladu will be drafted in the first round regardless. It's just a matter of where. I I would imagine a little bit like top 20, but a little bit probably a little later in the top 20. Uh, I just scrolled my lip on the microphone. It didn't really feel great. Uh, Talisi Ufaga. No, sorry. Taliese Fuaga from Oregon State. Massive dude. If you watch Oregon State football at all this year, one thing that abundant, is abundantly clear, they are physical as hell, and they're off to so I don't know if you can tell by the the little blip at the end of that little script there. I, this is kind of random. and It wasn't planned. I can promise you this. This was not a planned segment of the Logan Blackman show today, but the show ended abruptly. So let me paint a picture for you. So I got done from work, and I was going to meet up with some friends at Buffalo Wild Wings, and I'm sitting there like, okay, I'm going to record a show, and I've got to make sure everything's done and dusted by that point by the, before I need to leave. Because we were meeting up at around 6.30. I live in Madridge about a half hour away, so I need to get done about 6. At 5.45, I'm sitting in my house recording, and I'm like, well, okay, we've done a good amount of show. I've done about an hour and a half worth of show right now, so I might as well check and see how long we've recorded just to see where, you know where we're at. And I check, and the show stopped recording just blatantly and didn't tell me. So I was talking just normally, for the entirety of the rest of the show. And it just, I just didn't know. No, uh, no, like warning or anything, uh, nothing. I just kept talking. So as far as I was made aware, I was recording a show. As far as I was made aware, I was talking about the, the senior bowl and we were going through every single team. We went through the entire team of the national team and the American team just for it to be cut off and never to be seen again. So we're going to try and replicate that here because I thought we were in flow state right now, or back then. I thought we were in flow state at that point. Because right now, I'm not going to lie, it is 11-10 right now. 
We got done recording the show at around 11.38, 11.40, or 11, uh, 5.48, 5.40, somewhere around there, and it's just, it sucks. It hasn't happened to me in a while, but I need to clear some space for my computer, apparently, so I deleted a bunch of old episodes of the Logan Blackman Show, and now we are, we're back. We're back a few hours later, but I guess the show's going to be a little bit longer, but as we were talking about, before we were rudely interrupted... By my own computer, we were talking about Talis Fuaga, who is one of the best offensive linemen in the entire draft, and has had one of the best senior days, or senior bowl practice weeks, of the group that is currently upon us right now. But another person that has dominated this week is Jackson Powers Johnson, the center from Oregon. Apart from Fuaga, and maybe even with Fuaga, has been the best offensive lineman, or even the best player at the Senior Bowl this past week. Center from Oregon can play all five positions, or all five, all three interior offensive line positions. You're looking at a team like the Miami Dolphins, who, of course, remember, Mike McDaniel came from San Francisco. He's a part of the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. So he runs a lot of zone read, or a lot of zone read option plays, a lot of zone run plays that Powers Johnson is very accustomed to while playing in Oregon. Like, if you're looking at a center who, again, Connor Williams who came over from the Dallas Cowboys a couple off-seasons ago, tore his ACL this, team, this past season. So they're in need of a center. But if, even, even if they bring back Connor Williams, who is a free agent, you can play Powers Johnson at guard. It's just a natural fit there. But even more so, like he's one of the biggest risers in the draft. We could even see him go up towards Seattle at 16, who is in a big need for a lot of interior offensive linemen there as well. So there's a lot of different places this guy could go, but he has absolutely dominated. Him and Fuaga, who Fuaga has been talked about possibly going to the top 10 recently. Like, we're looking at the Jets. I'm not saying he's going to go a lot higher than the New York Jets at number 10. Like, maybe the Tennessee Titans. I know Joe Alt's there from Notre Dame. He's going to be a big prospect up there. But Olufashanu from Penn State's a rather raw prospect. And for a team like the New York Jets, who more likely need a right tackle versus a left tackle, Fuaga definitely steps into that mold. And for Powers Johnson, for a team that needs a center or a guard, they could step in there. But um, Fatanu from Washington, he's another guy you could look at there for the Miami Dolphins. Who can need a guard or, hypothetically, because Taron Armstead is a free agent. And he's above the, he's on the wrong side of 30. I think he's 33 and coming off an injury plate season. Well, the Miami Dolphins off the line the entire season was injury played. The Seattle Seahawks off the line, same thing. So these are two teams you could look at for some interior off the linemen, but even for the Dolphins, with Armstead being as old as he is, and he's not even that old, but for, for a player of his stature and the injury history that he recently has picked up, Fuadu, Futanu sorry, could play guard initially and then switch out to left tackle if necessary. But Powers Johnson just makes a loss. He's just absolutely dominated this past week. But looking back at the tackles, too, you got the likes of Jordan Morgan on the national team as well from Arizona, who's had a very good camp or had a very good season. He can also play some guard if need be as well. You scroll down a little bit more on the roster. You got the likes of the quarterbacks. The national team is known for their quarterbacks this year. You got the likes of Bo Nix from Oregon. I almost said Auburn, but I guess they both works. And then you got Sam Hartman from Notre Dame and Michael Penix Jr. from Washington. Now, I'm intrigued to see what Bo Nix does during the game. Because throughout this week, he has not necessarily painted himself in the greatest light. But from everything I've read, because you don't really see a lot of the the live broadcasts in the Senior Bowl. At least I can't. I couldn't have found it, anyways. But he hasn't he hasn't performed his best. 
and it's not great. But Bo Nix, regardless, because the Senior Bowl is like, it's one thing. There's a lot of different things that a lot of different coaches, a lot of different GMs look at. Because you can look at game film, you can look at the Senior Bowl, you can look at the Combine, you can look at Pro Days, whatever. There's a lot of different factors to go into the NFL Draft. But Bo Nix has been considered and could possibly wind up being a first-round draft pick. I don't know how high he goes. I've seen, like, top five picks. I don't think that's in the realm of possibilities. But, hey, Lord knows, if he plays well in the game itself, then we might be having a different conversation. But I think a first-round draft pick for Bo Nix is definitely a possibility because you look at how fast he operates things. Oregon's offense in general is molded to help a quarterback. It's really fast-paced. There's not a lot of reads involved. But his quick thinking and accuracy and athleticism will help him in this process. But in the same breath, that quick stuff doesn't allow for a lot of pre-snap reads, which obviously in the NFL, you are going to do quite a bit of. It's just natural. That's just how it works. You can't avoid it. So for someone like Bo Nix, that might be a concern. But with how the NFL has been adapting more to college offenses, to a certain extent, I'm not going to sit here and act like, the NFL has just totally embraced college offense. We're not going to see a triple option offense in the NFL anytime soon. But Bo Nix, I think, would be perfectly fine or fine suited for a first-round team. Like the Denver Broncos with Sean Payton, I think he fits exactly what Sean Payton looks for. I think he could do well in like a Dolphin system or a 49ers system too, but I'm not sitting here and saying that the Dolphins and Niners are going to draft a quarterback in the first round. That's not what I'm saying at all. So don't try to paint a picture like that. Sam Hartman, I think he could be somewhere like a fifth, sixth round draft pick. I could see him getting some minutes of rookie year for due to injuries, but I don't. He's not going to be extremely high draft pick. And then Michael Penix, one of the most polarizing prospects in the draft, just because of how good he was at Washington's past season. Obviously, finished second in the Heisman Trophy race. Uh, went all the way to the College Football Final. Had a dominant performance against Texas in the semifinal. Won the Pac-12 championship game. Like, he had a great season, all things considered. But when it comes to the NFL, there's other factors that definitely make a difference. The injuries. Though he's been healthy, relatively healthy, for the past however many seasons, those injuries that he suffered in Indiana are going to pop up. And you look at his age being a factor as well. And his throwing motion is not necessarily the fastest motion out there. And the way the NFL is moving now, you need to have a quick release. And Michael Penix just doesn't have that it's not necessarily something he can control I mean he can but the way he's played right now he hasn't been hasn't been required of him to do that so those are a couple things that will hurt him in the process but he'll have to ace the interviews he'll have to ace the medical tests and all that stuff but the like I've seen mock drafts of him going top 15 I don't think that's realistic I mean towards the end of the season Michael Penix kind of tailed off I don't want to say like he fell flat on his face, and he was one of the worst quarterbacks in all of college football. I don't want to say that at all. But in the same breath, he wasn't what he was early in the season. And we're talking about like pre-Oregon, the first Oregon game, he was a shoe in for the Heisman Trophy at that point. But post that first Oregon game, it was not really the greatest, the most smooth sailing, I guess I could say, throughout the rest of the season. But still a good quarterback at the college level. But you're probably looking at a second or third round draft pick. The injuries, regardless of how healthy he's been recently, will play a factor. Will They will play a factor. It's not like an if. It, they will play a factor for Michael Penix. Whether you feel that's sad or not, they will. And you look at the running backs on the national team. You got Isaiah Davis, who was a stud at South Dakota State. Marshawn Lloyd, who played really well at USC. Then you look at some of the 
some of the tight ends. You got A.J. Barner, obviously played with, you know, J.J. McCarthy at Michigan. Colston Loveland was the main tight end at Michigan, but A.J. Barner sure had his share. Had his fair share at reps at tight end. Right receiver, Tez Walker. Once he finally was allowed to play at North Carolina, was an absolute stud, which everybody was expecting when he went in. Roman Wilson from Michigan, roommates with J.J. McCarthy, at least I've, as far as I've been made aware. But Roman Wilson's had a dominant week. Roman Wilson's been awesome. And you can see that Michigan as well. Roman Wilson just catches everything that's near him. He just does. That's just what he does. And same thing with Ricky Pearsall. He was at Florida with Andy Richardson. Ricky Pearsall was an awesome receiver at Florida, but it'll be interesting to see where these guys kind of go. Roman Wilson, I, you're looking at probably a second-round pick for Roman Wilson at this point with how he's boosted his draft stock. The problem is, for these kind of guys, the draft class for receivers is very deep. <laughs> it's just very deep. So you can make a case for some of these guys being first-round draft picks, like Tez Walker. I wouldn't be surprised if Tez Walker ended up in the first round. But Tez Walker more than likely will probably be a second-round pick. But you never know because of how deep this class is. And then you got the likes of Brendan Rice, Jerry Rice's kid, Luke McCaffrey. You might have heard that last name before. And, yes, that's the McCaffrey family that you're thinking of with that. And then we move our attention over to the American team. And we've got the likes. we got Javon Bullard from Georgia. We've got Tyke Smith. You can never really go wrong with Georgia defensive backs or just Georgia defenders in general. You can't really go wrong with them. we got Cameron Kinchins. From Miami, I've seen people, another safety. So we got three safeties back to back to back. Cameron Kenshin's Kenshin, sorry, is a guy that's I don't know, you're probably considering as the number one safety in the draft. You got Tyler Newman from Minnesota. They're definitely gonna be considering up there as well. But man, you got Kenshin's is just what you're looking but naturally what you're looking for in a safety. I've seen this guy get mock drafted as high as 16 to Seattle. So you're looking at a guy that has a very wide range of where he can go in the draft, but that mostly has to go down to the position he plays. Because look at Kyle Hamilton. This is a prime example. Look at Kyle Hamilton. So Kyle Hamilton, obviously the baller for the Baltimore Ravens right now, was a mid-first-round mid, mid draft pick for the Baltimore Ravens back in 2022. This guy undoubtedly was a top-five player in that draft class, but because of his 40 time and the position that he played, Drop down the draft boards. For a guy as talented and as good as Kyle Hamilton to go around the 14 range is a big drop. It's not, you don't expect to go down that far. Look at Derwin James, another one. Derwin James got drafted 17th overall in 2018. Derwin James is not the 17th best player in that draft. Derwin James was a top 10 player in that draft class. Even at that point, let alone now, but we're looking at it like that was the steal of the draft. Brian Branch, now, I know he plays nickel corner now, but he was a safety nickel corner hybrid, fell to the second round in this year's draft. So it's just the safety the safety position, nickel corner, whatever. Kinchins is a safety, but that's that position is not really necessarily quote-unquote valued in regards to the draft. So like when you look at Powers Johnson, center's another position that we talked about before, where it's not necessarily the most valued position in the draft, but if you can play multiple positions, you'll start rising, rising up the draft boards. And then you look at Tyler Lindebaum, who's played really well in the NFL so far. He's a Pro Bowl selection this year. Ryan Kelly was a beast in the NFL for many, many years. He was an 18th overall draft pick. So I don't know. It, it just depends on how you want to view it. But in this draft class, I don't know if Kinchins goes in the first round, but there's definitely an option for him to go there, especially if you look at the team like the Buffalo Bills, who have 
Micah Hyde's going to be leaving. Jordan Poyer's getting older. So there's options there for the Bills. But I don't think that's the direction they go. But you could definitely make an argument for that. And you keep scrolling down the list for... I'm just I'm trying to pick out players like I'm just specifically trying. Chris Braswell from Alabama, edge rusher. I like how they got these guys listed because they just got D-line, D-back, linebacker. Like, they don't list where they actually are. Like, Chris Braswell's an edge rusher at Alabama. He played outside linebacker with Dallas Turner. So I, I like that they list him as a D-lineman here. But he's got a possibility to go in the first round, like a later first-round draft pick. You got, like, after the first three edge rushers, and we'll talk about one here in a little bit if I'm not mistaken. So, like, we got Braswell. We got Chop Robinson, Demorian Top Chop Robinson from Penn State. Braylon Trice is another guy from Washington. Like, these are the guys in the later first-round draft picks. And then you got the likes of, where's he at? Or did we already talk about it? Again, it's been a few hours since I've last talked about all this. So, uh, did I talk about Leadu Latu? Because, again, I, I, I apologize for skipping over, but I'm... Is he on the national team? He must be. But players like that. Like, Leadu Latu, Jared Verse, and Dallas Turner are your top three guys. And then, like, to Braswell. you got the likes of Jonah Ellis from Utah. You've got Chop Robinson from Penn State. You've got... Uh, uh, Braylon Trice from Washington. Like you've got options here, but he'll be in that latter stage of edge rushers. But I like that he's listed as a D lineman, <laughs> D lineman here, and a uh, completely different player, but still listed as a D lineman. Uh, Tavondre Sweat from Texas. This dude is like six five, three hundred sixty pounds. Like look at the video on Twitter, or just on Google or whatever YouTube, and look at this guy running routes. He caught a ball at the Senior Bowl today. Today, I think. And it's just crazy to see how athletic these big guys are. It's absolutely insane to see how big, how athletic these guys are. And he'll be one of those guys. But the problem is, kind of like safety, like this is what you got to think about with the draft. You got to find multiple reasons to draft these guys in the first round. For these bigger guys, like you'll see these smaller defensive tackles get drafted in the first round more often than the bigger guys. Because the bigger guys, you've got to find more roles in them than, than just run stoppers. Like, how productive are they in the pass game? That's what you've really got to look at. What do they do in the pass game? Are they disruptive? They might not be getting sacks, but are they at least disruptive or changing the play? I don't know. So that's what you got to think about. Tamandre Sweat being as big as he is, where does he go in the draft? I would imagine he's going to be a second-round draft pick, but there might be somebody that takes him in the first round. But Byron Murphy, his Texas teammate, who's considerably smaller, about 50 pounds lighter, 60 pounds lighter than Sweat, He'll probably go top 23. I think the Texans are probably his floor in the draft. But you you look at top 23 pick in the draft, like guaranteed because he's smaller, more athletic, can get after the quarterback a little bit better just because he's as athletic. Like it's just completely different how you view these types of players. It's just a very interesting way to look at things. And we keep scrolling down the list. We got Jalex Hunt from Houston Christian. We love seeing those tiny schools there. Uh, scrolling on the offensive lineman, Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma. Uh, only 15 starts. In college, like he does, he hasn't played a lot, but he's six foot seven. He's like three hundred thirty pounds, somewhere around there. Like he's a guy that, though the lack of production is there, you can build. So at least you could look at him and say, I could build something there. So I think a team like the Dallas Cowboys makes a lot of sense there if they bring back Tyrone Smith. I think Tyler Smith has a spot at left guard. I mean, was wasn't Tyler Smith an All Pro left guard? Like, why would you move him back to tackle? I know it was the plan. But he's been so good at 
left guard. Why even bother moving him back? So get a guy, a developmental piece at the offensive line. If you bring back Tyler Smith, Tyrone Smith, if not, fine. But Tyler Smith could be that kind of guy. And remember, Tyler Smith was a developmental piece on the offensive line as well when they drafted him for Tulsa. And look how good he's turned out to be. So Tyler Guyton, if you're a Cowboys fan, I think would be someone you definitely look out for in the draft, despite the number of starts that he has at that point. Keep going down. Javion Cohen, guard from Miami. He's a beast in the middle of the offensive line. We've got uh, Will Reichard. we got a kicker from Alabama, one of the better known kickers now in, in college football. Quarterbacks for the American team. we got Joe Milton. we got Spencer Rattler. we got Michael Pratt. And then we got Carter Bradley from South Alabama. Uh, Joe Milton, one of the most physically talented quarterbacks in the draft. Just I, The problem with Joe Milton is that the dude's like 24 years old. He's getting compared to Anthony Richardson. Andy Richardson was 20 last year. I understand they got a similar skill set, but wouldn't you expect Joe Milton to be further along in the developmental process than Anthony Richardson? Like you would think that, right? But Joe Milton's got all the skills. He's got all the tools in the toolbox to be a very, very good quarterback. Like some of the throws he made against Vanderbilt. I know it was an absolute ass kicking, but still, some of the throws he made in that game against Vanderbilt were awesome. He just needs to remain consistent which is what him and Tennessee's offense just couldn't do throughout the season. Then we got Spencer Rattler, talent-wise, up there with the best of me. He's not the biggest guy. Like, Milton's a big dude. Spencer Rattler's, like, as big as me. He's, like, 6'1", probably 2'15", somewhere around there. But he's got all the talent. Obviously, we know from Oklahoma, he, him and Pratt, I would imagine, and Joe Milton, if he if he does well in the senior in the game as well, they could definitely rise up boards. I'm not saying they're going to be, like, first-round or second-round draft picks, but you're looking at going from day two, day three to day two draft picks. Like Michael Pratt, I currently would see him as a fourth-round draft pick. But if he does well in the game, maybe he creeps into the third round. Spencer Rattler, I think, is a day two guy. He'd probably look at a third round. Joe Milton's probably a day three guy, but I could see him creeping up in the third round, or second, third round, somewhere around, somewhere around there. But, I don't know, it's all a matter of preference, really. Like, Joe Milton is, is just a weird prospect because if, he's so athletically gifted, but he's just older. <laughs> I really like Michael Pratt, though. If you've read our blog post this year, you know how much I like Michael Pratt. We go down to the running backs. We got Cody Schrader from Missouri. was a baller this year. Got Heisman votes this year. Got Heisman votes. We got uh, Ray Davis from Kentucky. He had a very good year as well. Dejon Edwards. We have got a Jaheim Bell from Florida State. H-back tight end. Bigger dude. Athletic. Florida State has had a lot of Freakish athletes on the outside. We'll talk about one here in a little bit. Uh, Xavier Lejet from South Carolina. Apparently not having the greatest week, but he is a very gifted receiver, very athletic. He was Spencer Rattler's number one target in South Carolina. Big deep threat guy. I ex- expect him to go somewhere in day two. Don't know exactly where, given how this week has gone, especially with how deep the class has been. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see. We'll wait and see. Uh, we got Marcus Rome. Ro- yeah. Marcus Rosemay, Jack Saint, who had a very good year for Georgia. And then we also got Lad McConkey, one of the best, if not the best, route runners in the entire draft class. Dude's a clinic. He's got a PhD in route running. This dude can is insane. Like, I wouldn't be shocked at this point if this guy boosted himself in the first round with his route running. Like, it's absolutely insane. I think right now you're looking at a second-round guy, but still. Like, he screams New England Patriots. Screams New England Patriots. <laughs> but... You know, we'll see. I, he could stream Baltimore Ravens as well. Remember, Todd Monken is the offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. Coach Lab McConkey ball at Georgia. 
Because remember, Monken was the optic coordinator while at Georgia. And you also got the likes of Johnny Wilson, who we talk about freakish athletes. This dude's like six foot seven at wide receiver from Florida State. Like you got Keon Coleman, you got Jaheim Bell and Johnny Wilson. You just got insane, insane dudes on the outside with a six foot one quarterback, <laughs> Jordan Travis. Man. Then we got Aeneas Smith as well, rounding out the receiver core. It is the senior bowl's fun. The senior bowl's a very fun time. It is it's it's not the end all and be all. Obviously, we got other bowl games like senior bowls, shrine bowls, and all that stuff. All-American Bulls, everything. But it, there's a lot going into this. You got coaching staffs working with them. So it's it's a fun time. It's a fun time. It's a stressful time. Sometimes we can read a little bit more into this week than what we probably should. Like I remember that the Lions coached last year, and they, they interviewed them about drafting Malik Willis with the second overall pick, which is what they had at the time. Malik Willis ended up going to the third round, for those of you who aren't aware. And the Lions ended up drafting Aiden Hutchinson. I think that worked out rather well for them. I think I think Malik Willis could be a good option for the Detroit Lions as a backup quarterback. But they were interviewing Dan Campbell on the sideline because the head coaches aren't you know the coaches of the Senior Bowl. It's the it's mostly their coaching staffs that run it. Like I think Deuce Staley was the head coach of the the team back then. But this the Senior Bowl is fun. It's a it's a fun time. The Combine again similar ish enough to where. You probably read a little too too much into it than what you probably should, but that's it's fun times. Like we've talked about before, the last thing you remember about these players is these games. Like, sure, you got the 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 last game they played, the bowl games or whatever, but you've also got this. Like the last thing you remember about XYZ player is that they played in the Combine or how they did in the Senior Bowl, how they did the Shrine Bowl, how they did the All American Bowl. Like it's it's insane, but that's the fun part of the NFL draft. And the, the headache of the NFL draft as well. So, yeah. I don't think we're going to talk about very much more. I mean, again, it's it's 11.30 right now. It is about five hours after I last talked about <laughs> the, when I was last doing the show. But I think it ended up all right. But um, I want to leave you with this. Um, so, for anybody who ever says that uh, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen's not number two in the NFL, most touchdowns in NFL history through a QB's First 10 playoff games, Mahomes has 30. Josh Allen is 27. That's first and second all time. Most touchdown yards, most total yards in NFL history through QB's first 10 playoff games, Mahomes 3,410. Josh Allen 3,302. Do not, I'm sorry, you can talk about like Burrow, you can talk about Lamar, you can talk about all these guys. Don't talk about anybody being QB2 past Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry. You can't do it. You can't. Because I will, I will throw stuff at you every single time. But that's whatever. It's whatever. You can you can believe what you want. And I saw this. I brought this up at dinner today. <laughs> the Chiefs are just one of three franchises ever to reach four Super Bowls in five years. Joining the Patriots and the Bills. The only problem is uh, the Bills did not win any of the Super Bowls. And the Bills went to four straight, which has not happened before or since. The Chiefs obviously have a chance to do that next year. Or no, they don't. No, they don't. Because the they've... Yeah, yeah. The Bills are the only team to ever go to four straight Super Bowls. They're also the four, four, only NFL team to ever lose four straight Super Bowls. But that's not neither here nor there. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. It's it's a fun stuff. It's a fun show. Fun show. But I hope you enjoyed. I think that's all we're going to talk about today. If you did not enjoy, I sincerely apologize. It'll probably be better next time. And, yeah. Hopefully the show does not crap out on me and again. Hope you watched the Pro Bowl this week. We watched some of the Pro Bowl games. We watched the dodgeball stuff at, uh, at Buffalo Wild Wings this evening. 
But the man, the Pro Bowl, the Pro Bowl flag football stuff is fun. I will give them credit. The the flag football stuff is fun, but like it, it doesn't like the quarterbacks are Tua, CJ Stroud, and Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew's in the Pro Bowl. Like what? The entire NFC, the only quarterback that got voted in to the Pro Bowl is there's only one of them, and it's Tua. Everybody else is an alternate. <laughs> no one cares about the Pro Bowl. Josh Allen went to a freaking golf tournament instead. Like I, I just think that's so funny. But the, pro, the the flag football game is fun. I would recommend watching that if you've never watched that before. I know it's, I say never. It's been on for one year. Like It's been on multiple times, and you just never watched it. But that's neither here nor there. I hope you enjoyed. If you didn't, I sincerely apologize. I'll try to be better next time. Uh, make sure you follow Logan Blavich on every single form of social media. And make sure to like and subscribe and follow on the Apple Podcast and Spotify accounts. Leave rating at five stars on both. I've been Logan Blackman. I will see you all later. Peace.